0: Welcome to the State of the Lakers podcast. Um, Usually it's uh, me and Jason, but Jason is out celebrating his 30th birthday in uh, San Diego. So happy birthday to to him. Um, But uh, today I got a really special guest. Um, He's not just a friend of the show, a friend of both of ours. Um, He's been on our Spotify green rooms, been on our Twitter spaces. Um, I have Roosh here. He's the host of the Noble and Roosh Show uh, by Ball is Life. Uh, Roosh, how are you doing today, man?
1: Man, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Always down to talk basketball. So thanks for asking. Thanks for asking me to come on.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Uh, It's a Saturday morning here. So uh, I appreciate you coming on on a a beautiful Saturday morning. Um, You're in Texas. I'm in California. About two hours ahead. Um, so first like I just want before we get into the Lakers stuff because I know everyone wants to kind of I know most of the people listening want to get into Lakers stuff but I think it's important to go around the league um, it's very easy to just go get in this echo chamber and just talk about you know your own team so I'm sure you've been watching summer league right like you've been watching summer league what are your thoughts on your Houston Rockets summer league because I think they have been the most like fun team in summer league like they've had the best team to me Jalen Green could arguably have been the best player. Like, what do you think of your summer league team before we get into all the the Lakers stuff?
1: So I separate the summer league, the, the Rockets summer league team into the guys that are definitely, like that we drafted that are on the team. And then the, mm-hmm. you know, the fringe players that are hoping to get like a two-way or whatever. The fringe players hoping to get a two-way, unfortunately, are not very good. Um, they just aren't. There's not really much to talk about when it comes to them. The Rockets gave Matthew Hurt, I think out of Duke, a two-way. So, you know, who knows, maybe that turns into something at some point down the line. But as far as the guys that the Rockets drafted, man, Jalen Green has been so much fun to watch. He's looked incredible. Um, Unfortunately, he got hurt. So hopefully that's nothing too serious. And they have enough time to rehab him before the actual season starts, but could not be happier watching him. I mean, his stroke is incredible. Defensively, he was definitely active in there. Probably needs to get, you know, um, beef up a little bit, add some weight. But all the tools were there. His handle looks very beautiful. He's got a nice crossover, super quick, super explosive. And he started showing some flashes of creating off the dribble and out of the pick and roll. And that's like, that is what I wanted to see. So I was happy with that. Uh, Alperin Shangun, that dude is crazy. Uh, You know, the fan base was kind of split when the Rockets drafted him, but he's looked extremely talented, kind of like a a Sabonis Jokic-esque type player. Not to say that he's going to be as good as them necessarily, but... Just a a European, Turkish. I consider Turkey to be in Europe. Different discussion, but a European big man. Good touch, great skills, versatile, super high IQ. He just turned 19. And I don't think I've ever seen a big man at 19 play like that. So I'm hoping that what he does will translate into the NBA. He looked pretty good against Evan Mobley. And I thought he held his own against Precious for Toronto. So really happy with that. And then um, Josh Christopher... Had some ups and downs. I see the potential with Josh Josh Christopher. So it was fun to watch, kind of get a chance to watch him going. And then Usman Garuba from Spain um, only played one game and he came straight from like Tokyo, I think, and he was jet lagged. So I'm not going to put much stock into that one game, but Mm -hmm. I'm excited, man. And then as far as the rest of summer league goes, Cade's been popping off. Evan Mobley's potential is definitely on display. Chris Duarte had a good game or two. Um, Cam Thomas had a really good game. It's just nice to see young talent balling out.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. So, have you been to Summer League before? Bro? I have not. You were, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I was there. I've been there the last few years. So, I went when the Lakers had their lottery picks, and that thing was filled like a playoff game, like to the bone. When it was like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, you know what I mean, and uh, Kyle Kuzma. That thing was crazy. It was loud. It's funny going there now. Like people kind of trickling in and out. Um, it's not as loud. I want to ask you cuz when I was watching Green I got to see a little bit of there little bit little bit of him there um, he reminds me a little bit of Brandon Ingram do you see that a little bit in his game where like the ball handling at that size and like He's a better shooter already, and he's already better at like, taking contact. But, like, I see that, like, that ability to kind of attack off the dribble, have the jumper as well, just a full, complete offensive game. To me, he was the most, like, impressive guy that I got to see live. At least he just looked extremely comfortable um, on the floor. Do you see a little bit of that? Like, do you see him as, like, this, like, score, kind of like this isolation score, eventually, that, like, Ingram has became now, like, this, like, go-to guy?
1: I definitely see him as an isolation scorer. As far as comparing the two of them, I didn't see Brandon Ingram, but I will say that the similarity is their fluidity with the rock. Yes. You know, like when they are getting to their, to their moves and trying to get to their spots, they're so fluid and they're both kind of lanky and skinny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're so quick at the same time that like when they make their move, they're decisive. It's there. And it's the kind of thing that you can't really stop. You can contest yeah. it, but you can't really stop it. Um, so I see that, that kind of similarity, obviously Brandon Ingram's bigger um, and yeah. has more ability to kind of, he's just longer. Right. But yeah, I mean, as far as being an isolation scorer, man, I was so impressed. Like he looked; it really looked like the G League preparation oh, had yeah. him ready to just dominate the summer league. That's that's that was kind of my takeaway.
0: Yeah, and his body looks a lot more NBA ready already than Ingram was. Even was Ingram wasn't even close in that first year. Ingram wasn't as comfortable either as a scorer. So it's cool to see him kind of go off the dribble. And yeah, it was fun. I got to see Cade a little bit as well. Cade looks like a guy also ready for the NBA. Like his body, he's. These dudes coming out of college are like, even I mean, this more draft has now. a chance
1: to, the, the top of the draft definitely has a chance to be special. Yeah, yeah, and for I mean sure. the rest of the draft as well. But like those first three, I guess Jalen Suggs looked pretty good too. Yeah, um, Scotty Barnes had some flashes. We'll see. We'll see if Toronto regrets taking Barnes <laughs> over Suggs. But, but yeah, man. It, I mean, it's fun. It's just fun to see high level basketball, and to be excited about like the future.
0: You know. Yeah. It, it's funny going to summer league. Cause I was there for Lonzo's first game. Right. And Lonzo, I don't know if you followed Lonzo, at like UCLA or whatever, but like there was a bunch of people in there that obviously never watched Lonzo play. Right. And summer league, such a, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like the crowd is on top of you. So like when someone screams, you can hear them. Like, that's how, like that's how close it looks like to... the
1: drew. I don't know if you've been to the drew.
0: I haven't, but it's, it's a similar type. I, it feels like it's a similar kind of experience there, but yeah, like the crowds right there, they can hear everything the crowd's saying. So like Lonzo, this is the first, his first game. And he's like dribbling at the top and you can just hear like the crowd is kind of silent a little bit, it goes a little quiet. And they're like, someone's like, do something like we're a lot. This is not Lonzo's game at all. And Lonzo, you know, a young guy, he's like trying to fulfill what the crowd wants. So Lonzo starts taking these step back threes and that's just wasn't his game. So it's just funny. Summer league is a cool place. I, I, I'd recommend you to go at least one time.
1: I, I definitely want to. So hopefully yeah. I wish I would have gone this year, honestly. Um, I would even consider still going,
0: but Jalen Green's done. So <laughs> yeah, he he probably won't. yeah, he probably won't play. He probably won't play next year. Um, but yeah, uh, for sure. So Roosh is like my guy I go to for all Houston Rockets, for anything Houston. Um, and I wanted to get him on to talk about Russell Westbrook, because I don't think there's that many people who know more about it. I know he played for the Wizards last year. I know that I just like when I go watch Russell Westbrook film on the Wizards, it's really weird to me because Russell Westbrook's the one player where like watching him without a crowd is just a really strange thing. Like it just really is. You see him screaming into like this abyss. And I feel like it's just you just don't get the same kind of feel. So I watch more Russell Westbrook on the Rockets. I feel like that's more of the type of team. Rockets are more of a contender as well, a winning environment. So before we get into like the encore, the basketball, he how he can't shoot, all that stuff. Like what's like, when your team gets Russell Westbrook, what does it do? What does it do for your culture? Like, what does that mean, I guess, when you get Russell Westbrook on your team?
1: Okay, really excited to talk about this. So so thanks for having me in mine. And I agree with you. Uh, Russell Westbrook in Washington is not the best, I guess, fit or yeah, okay. kind of piece of analysis for how he's gonna fit in Los Angeles. I will, before I get into the nitty gritty, I will start by saying, my overarching thought on Westbrook on LA. And that is, he is, quote unquote, the number three option. Remains to be seen how that works and plays out. But on paper, he's your number three. And your number one is LeBron James. And your number two is Anthony Davis. So talent-wise, the Lakers are far and away better than anyone in the West. I think the the Lakers are a, a lock for the finals if they're healthy. And I think they have a very good chance to win the championship. So any criticism that I may give about Russell Westbrook Just keep in mind that I I think L.A. is going to win it all, Um, if not get to the finals. So what does it mean when your team gets Russell Westbrook? Unfortunately, first and foremost, it means that there's going to be a divide among your fan base. You know, some people are going to just absolutely love what he does. Some people are going to have some issues with it. Some people will be more so in between. Um, He is the type that he just plays a very binary game, right? He plays his game at all times. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Um, there's no discretion with him, right? So it's exciting. It is exciting. And it's love-hate, right? Like that's kind of the theme. It's gonna, for, for people I think like you, based on what I've seen from how you view the game and talk about the game, it'll be love-hate. There's going to be nights where he goes off and he saves the night. There's going to be nights where no one has energy, but he does. And it's infectious. Uh-huh. Uh, there's going to be nights where you're down 10 with four minutes and Russell Westbrook goes on a tear and brings you back. Into the game to win it. And then there's going to be nights where he's just pulling up from the elbow over and over, or, you know, his lack of shooting ability really stands out and teams are able to double off and you have to figure out a counter and all that type of stuff. So, so yeah, um, I mean, we can get into the positives and the negatives and all that, but I think first and foremost, Russell Westbrook on your team means a polarized experience and you're going to find yourself on both ends of it throughout the season.
0: For sure. So I was, against the move like it was clear like people are asking me i was like there's no way this happens it doesn't make sense on the bat for on the basketball floor like you know he's a super ball handler like we already saw how phoenix defended us like they stayed in the paint you know what i mean like they weren't even guarding us outside now you add another um i guess non-shooter to it and i agree with you like russell westbrook's coming here to be russell westbrook like i i see a lot of people saying like, oh he can adjust his game no, you don't trade for russell westbrook to not get russell to change russell westbrook you know and I mean? you're getting you know, Russell to, for him to be himself. So there's a lot of positives and negatives to that. Um, but I guess like, I just want to stay a little bit like what it means, I guess. So like, off the court, kind of with the role players and stuff, like you hear he's a great teammate and stuff like that. Did you see that where like, he impacted kind of the Rockets role players, I guess, in a way that they weren't doing before, like, obviously, James Harden's the, I guess, leader of that team, no matter of Houston he's the face of the franchise but I guess like just for some of those role guys like I hear Ben McLemore always like talks about it I think um part the other guy that got suspended from the bubble but I think like he, yeah yes, he house as well so like did you see that as well um when he was on Houston kind of how he helped the role players um I guess yeah. like with confidence and stuff like that
1: yeah so okay Harden was not that type right Harden was the mm-hmm. type that was like yo give me the rock um I'm gonna <laughs> score 50 and like that's all you need to know um yeah. not to like put Harden down. He just wasn't the vocal type of leader. He was like a leader on the court more so by his, by his example of play. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, Westbrook, I think, and this is what I think will work for sure. His approach and work ethic, I think will mirror that of LeBron's and LeBron is very, LeBron is very much a guy that's like, yo, we're doing it my way because I'm LeBron James and it works. And um, you know, if you're not on board, you can get shipped um and westbrook is also he, he's a he's a family man kind of guy you know he comes in all business his approach may not he may not approach the nuance of the game the way that we would like to if we were like playing a video game and you know playing with Russell westbrook for example but he works hard and i think that that definitely permeates to the rest of the team fun fact when he was in houston i think part of the reason that him and harden mutually agreed to kind of split and do their own thing was because they realized that they were no longer like, they were still friends, I think, yeah. but from, from what I heard, they didn't really even have dinner much together during oh, wow. that season, even before COVID hit. I think when Russ came, there was like, you saw that Tim McMahon article where like, oh, you know, Harden was late for film sessions, or everyone had to wait for Harden to go on the PJ to Vegas or whatever yeah. it was. Um, and that stuff irked Westbrook, because he does approach it more like LeBron does. Um, yeah. So I, you know, they kind of, I think were at odds in that respect, Harden and Westbrook. And I think that they kind of figured out like, yo, this isn't how I remembered it being, you know, we've kind of grown in separate ways since becoming superstars in our own right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it will help the team. And I think that him and LeBron will get along in that way from a leadership perspective and from how they approach uh, the game and practice and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's definitely going to have a trickle down effect um, on the rest of the guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, like, I feel like he'll be big for AD, you know what I mean? Because AD is a guy that really, he can't, like, he gets a lot of shit and stuff like that, but he really does, can he can sometimes go through the motions and I think Russ is not a guy that goes through the motions. Like, Russ is just watching him, like, he feels like a guy that's on all the time like even watching his washington tape like seeing him scream in a empty arena in orlando you know it's just like it's funny to watch like him kind of play play with that kind of motor and i think that does a lot for the team um so i guess we can start like going on to the basketball fit so let's do the negatives first i guess so like his jump shooting how like uh, i don't know how to ask this like how reckless does it get game to game like i guess like how how he's been in the league for a long time i guess but like that pull-up jumper that he takes and stuff like that, it, it feels like he takes a lot of shots where like when the, the other team goes under the screen, um, he'll still fire. Even if he's hissed, hit his missed his last five. Like what do you think your most like concerns with, with Russ in LA, like on a, on the basketball floor, like what's your biggest concern, I guess with him, is it his shooting, like his shot selection? Like, is it his defense? Like what do you think is the biggest concern for you with, with Russ in LA?
1: So I was just looking up his three point percentages so that I can make sure I have the correct <laughs> data. Um, man, he can be reckless with the shot. So here's the thing, right? We're talking about Russell Westbrook. You made mention, you're like, yo, you're not going to get Russell Westbrook to try to make Russell Westbrook change. Right. And he's been in the league for however many seasons. I don't know what it is now. 12, 13 came 14. in drafted in 2008. Yep. I think it's 13. Yeah. Um, man, that's crazy. And So you have to realize when you have a guy that's played 13 seasons at the usage rate of Russell Westbrook, meaning that he's just mm-hmm. got the rock in his hand doing his thing the way that he does it, and he's won an MVP doing so, and he's set all these crazy triple-double records in the process, you're not going to change that guy. Um, so you're you're getting Russ and you're getting all the positives, but the caveat to that is that you're getting it on his terms. Now, what that means is um, sometimes you just have to live with those shots, right? There are times yeah. where you need a bucket or you need a, a bucket to stop the bleeding to get some momentum or to stunt the momentum of the other team. And instead, you get Russ pulling up from 18 feet and it clanks, you know, or you get Russ doing. He has this one shot. I don't know if you've seen this. It blew my mind when he started doing it in Houston. He does a uh, a fadeaway. Oh yeah, like a post fadeaway bank shot
0: off one leg. Is that the one oh, leg one. one?
1: Yes, it's one of the <laughs> ugliest shots I've ever seen, bro. And, and it's just one of those things where you're like, dude, we're down three with four minutes left. Why did you take that shot? You know. And so you'll see that it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Now, there's times where he pulls up and he gets in in a rhythm and it's butter, you know. And it's like he's really on. Um, In Houston, his three-point percentage, I think, was the worst of his career, 25.6%. The worst of his career since his second year in the league. Um, And since 2014, he has shot under 30% from three, one, two, three, four, five times in whatever that is, seven seasons, I guess. One, two, three, four, five, six, and eight. So five times in eight seasons. Um, Starting back in 2014, 15, he shot 29.9%, 29.6%. MVP season, 34%. Season after that, 29.8. Season after that, 29%. In Houston, 25.8. And then last season, he upped it to 31.5% on four attempts. I remember in Houston, we used to say, man, if he can just shoot like 32% from three, we would yeah. be so much better. And I'm sure Lakers fans remember in that series in the bubble, y'all were probably like, dude, sag off Rust because he can't make it. Um, and I know we're talking about the positives here, but you asked about his shooting. so Oh, no, yeah. So, so that's kind of, you, you just have to live with it. What you have to hope for, to his credit, he did change in Houston. Unfortunately, mm. it required Houston trading Russell, um, trading Clint Capella to create that five-out space because yeah. the lack of spacing really killed Houston and it killed their efficiency, especially after the Mike D'Antoni offense that they were known for. So once they did that, he was able to use his athletic tools and his first step and his burst um, to really become a force. And he was like, I think he had the best two-point percentage of his career. Um, I'm gonna confirm that. Yes, he did by far. It was the only time, it was the second time in his career where he shot over 50% from two. He shot 51.4%. The second in his career is 2015 to 2016 where he shot 50.3% and everything else is sub 50. So he was able to make that adjustment, get into the paint and kind of dominate from that perspective. Um the question and the issue is going to be can he do that with LeBron and A D? LeBron can shoot, A D can kind of shoot from three. I wouldn't call it reliable. Um, but there's only so much rock to go around, you know. Um, now the positive about all this though is that I think what LA wants and I think what LeBron wants is mm-hmm. someone they can just give the ball to and say, please take over so that LeBron, oh, yeah. you know, so LeBron can chill. And he can do that. Um, the downside to that though is in Houston, I know specifically the bench units, they would stagger Harden and Russ at times. Right. And the bench units led by Russ with Harden on the bench were by far the worst lineups that Houston ran.
0: Um, Oh really?
1: Yeah. Because it, you know, think about it. It's basically at that point, it turns into like a Russell Westbrook, like Washington team, you know, he's just leading mm-hmm. the pack going full force and he's either on and getting his way or it's kind of more so reckless, you know? So, um, shooting, it's tough to watch him shoot threes. It really is. And it's not like he takes a low volume. Um, the right. lowest volume he's taken in like the last almost 10 years is 3.7. Um, in Houston, he shot 3.7, which was his lowest over that span. In Washington, he shot 4.2. 4.23 is a game. Like there's no need you need. There's no reason you need <laughs> Russell Westwood to do that unless he's hitting. Right. So it's, it's just a mixed bag, man. He brings tons of positives, but he negates them on his own with shooting because in his mind he can shoot he just doesn't trust the percentages or care for the percentages so we'll see how that plays out I think it's going to depend on the the
0: lineups that the Lakers run um but yeah so you brought up his percentages like his three-point percentages like I almost throw those out because like I don't expect him to shoot well I also don't expect people to guard him you know what i mean like they're just not gonna guard him he could shoot 40 percent for a game he, they're not gonna guard him like he can hit his last three they're just not going to so like i'm already going into it knowing like they're not guarding russell westbrook so my biggest concern is that like yes ad can shoot right like he can shoot jumpers But if Anthony Davis is shooting jumpers, he's no longer Anthony freaking Davis. You know, he's he's a jump shooter like Anthony Davis generational skill is to be able to roll to the rim, be a lob threat and also handle and also, you know, but he wants to get to the rim. That's what AD wants to do. LeBron as well. LeBron can not shoot. But LeBron wants to get to the rim. Russell Westbrook wants to get to the rim i don't know who we're starting at center but like i think it's gonna be marcus Sol. so maybe that gives you a little spacing and then one shooter so that's my kind of concern here i think this team's gonna run um it's gonna be in transition try to get a lot of baskets off that i I know you said the rust kind of non-hardened minutes were like really bad in houston i guess i guess the only like caveat here is that like i think he's gonna be paired with ad like i don't think you're gonna have a Russ lineup without ad or lebron on the floor so i I'm a little worried about the Russ LeBron and like, you know, nothing else on the floor there with no shooting. So that's my little concern there. But like, I, I think I like him in transition. Um, I like him as that. And again, it gives another ball handler. Dennis Schroeder just wasn't that. I want to ask you about his playmaking. So there's this like idea that he's that he assists hunts and, and stuff like that. I see a guy that's an elite, elite playmaker. Like, I don't think you get 11 assists a game on accident. Now there's things you can do here and there, but like, like, am I wrong in thinking like he's a really good, like, he understands floor spacing? I guess, like, he understands like how to get corner shooters their shots. Um, I feel like he's a really good dump off passer. Like, and he's to me, he's one of the best law passers ever. I is that wrong for me to say? Like, he's a really good law passer, at least for Steven Adams. He used to get Jeremy Grant cutting off corners a lot, um, in Oklahoma City. Um, I think he's really good at finding bigs that way. Like, what do you think about his passing? Like, is it How much of it is like him trying to get assists or is he really just this really great playmaker? Is it somewhere in between there? I think it's
1: somewhere in between leaning towards being a great playmaker. The reason I say somewhere in between is because there are guys that see the play develop ahead of time. Yeah. Chris Paul, James Harden, like they're, they're waiting for the action because they're waiting for what that action is going to spring open. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they're waiting for that pick because they know when they get the pick at the top of the key, they're going to take it. And they, they already know at when that pick comes that what they're about to do is penetrate, draw the corner defender over and then kick it to the corner. Right. Russ doesn't operate like that. Russ's MO first and foremost is, yo, I'm going to the basket and I'm going to make my little cross. I'm going to use my burst and then maybe make like a quick crossover and I'm going to the basket. Now, if somebody helps over at the last minute, he like figures it out on the fly and it's both a gift and a curse, right? Because sometimes it's incredible. It's like, whoa, how did, how did he react so fast to make that play? And other times it's like, God damn it, you know, Um, he just threw it away or, you know, like I remember Chris Paul was really good at putting the ball in the shooter's pocket because he was purposeful with it and intentful with it, uh, intentional with it, right? He saw the play developing ahead of time. Westbrook doesn't really hit shooter pockets. He'll get you the ball, but not necessarily like where you want the ball. So in Houston, if you notice, which is the, excuse me, which is the first time <clears throat> god damn excuse me sorry okay in houston you'll notice it's the first time since um katie left right when did KD leave 15 16? Yeah. 16 yeah so mm-hmm. KD left in the summer of 16 so 2015 to 2016 uh westbrook had 10 assists per game him and yeah. KD were working you know they they gave up their 3-1 lead whatever but ever since then um he has only had less than 10 assists per game once. And that was in Houston when he had seven on the dot per game. Yeah. And it's also the only season that he's actually been on a winning team um, that, that won a playoff series. All the other ones have not. So I don't know if there's a direct correlation there. I don't know if I'm being conclusory and just kind of like looking at the result and then working backwards, but it just seems like there is a correlation between him having the ball less and creating less and being used more as like just a propelled scorer that can also create. Yeah. Versus him being like the primary creator, which he's not going to be in LA. You mentioned transition, by the way. <clears throat> That's one thing he will do. Um, and, it, and it is a positive. He will get in transition. He'll push the pace. There will be times where he just picks up free points because he just hits the turbo jets and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. The downside to that is that in close games and in the playoffs, offense and games are one in the half court. Um, and that transition stuff kind of goes out the window. I know a lot of Rockets fans w- would think, you know, oh, the points will lose from his bad three point shooting and from increased turnovers or whatever will gain in things like transition and so on and so forth. And that didn't really play out the way that you think, maybe it works out like in terms of numbers, but like I'm saying, those last five to seven minutes, things change and, you know, transition doesn't really win you the game. Um, But no, he's a, he's a great creator. Um, I just think that I think his presence gives the defense his presence makes you have to adjust your game instead yeah. of forcing the defense to adjust. Now the defense can camp out and make you adjust. If he's willing to move off ball and there were times where he was and he would cut, for example, he'd be camped out in the corner and he would cut and Harden would flip him up an alley-oop and he'd finish it. Like that stuff will happen, you know? Um,
0: mm-hmm. But he's
1: just not wired to do that frequently. Oh yeah. You know, for and sure. he wanted to leave Houston because he wanted the ball back in his hands. Like he changed in Houston but he didn't like the fact that Houston asked him to change. And so, mm-hmm. and I know that internally there were some people thinking, questioning the guy's commitment to wanting to be on a winning team because, you know, he forced a trade and he would rather play in Washington and do what he does than, you know, be a part of a team that at least won a playoff series and had a potential future. Take of that what you will. but, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just a very, like, polarizing, like there's going to be times where you get all the good. There's going to be times where you get all the bad. I will say that there's also times where you look up and you're like, man, he's killing it. He's got 27, you know, 10 and mm-hmm. 7. But then you look at his attempts and you're like, well, he's got 27 on like 17 of 23, you know? Like, <laughs> is that, you know, yeah. like that's good. But is, does that translate to championship basketball? I don't know. One thing about him as well, to his credit, he doesn't get, and this will probably change in LA. So monitor this. He doesn't get as many foul calls as you'd think. Um mm he gets he gets hit a lot at the rim and doesn't get the benefit of it um and he's also been shooting poorly from the free throw line um you know 66% this season 76% in Houston was decent 66% the year before that 74% the year before that he used to be an 80% guy from the line so yeah. i don't know i don't know what happened but um but yeah for someone with his usage which to confirm his usage it has been 30 plus, wow, for it's 10
0: high.
1: years. So 30% usage in Washington, 34.5% usage in Houston. I imagine he'll be somewhere around like 29 to 32 in LA, we'll see. But that's the thing, right? If, if he's not being used, he's not as useful. Um, and that's kind of the, the Russell Westbrook conundrum is you've got to give him the keys in order to get what you want out of him.
0: However, when you give him the keys, is the ship getting steered the way that you want it to get steered? For sure. And I think it's been pretty clear. Russell Westbrook's been in the league 13 years, right? Like, I think it's pretty clear that Russell Westbrook as a super high usage player is probably not a championship winning formula, right? Like, it just isn't. We've seen the playoffs too many times. Um, him against Utah, you know what I mean? Kind of shot them out of it. Portland as well. He, he takes these personal matchups against Dame. He takes his personal matchup against Donovan Mitchell, um, even Ricky Rubio a little bit, right? Like, you just see, like, there's a competitive fire there, and there's, like, a double-edged sword to it. But I think it's pretty clear, like, him as a high usage, high ball handler isn't a championship formula. I, I totally agree with that. I think that's why this is so fascinating, because I don't think he's ever, like, even with Katie in Oklahoma City, Katie wasn't the, like, ball handling type, right? Katie was a, like, let me run to the, to the post, you know, let me, you know, come off these... These, these screens or, you know, these floppy actions like Russell Westbrook got the ball in his hands. and He's deciding where the ball goes, I think. And even with James Harden in Houston, um, I, like, I don't know how much that helped as well. But like just him with LeBron and Anthony Davis, two guys that like, again, you said it, Russ is the third option. I think he's the third best player, right? Like I I think he's like, he's probably still going to be the the second option on most plays because he have the ball in his hands. Like it's just how basketball is going to work. But I think this is the first time he's had two other players that I guess he thinks should have the ball, right? That he should be feeding. Um, So that's why I'm interested. If he can get that usage to like 28, 29, but again, this is still Russell Westbrook. So it's interesting to see, but, and and you talked about him, like he doesn't want to move off the ball. I thought Houston did some really good things in the playoffs where like, I want to see this in LA as well. And you can kind of speak on this where they like inverted the offense, right. Where like, Russ was the center, I guess. Um, but again, that kind of moves AD to the perimeter a little bit, but I just think like there's things that can be open there, him as a screener and, you know, him and uh, reportedly him, uh, LeBron and AD had a dinner together, you know, and they were like, yeah, we're going to sacrifice. And all that stuff is very easy to say. And, you know, in August or in July, you know, before, before the cards kind of get settled there, but, um, Yeah, that's where I'm most interested to me. So, like, you talked about him off the ball and stuff. Like, was that stuff that Houston tried to do and he really just wouldn't do it, I guess? Or is Mike D'Antoni's offense gets a lot of, like, you know, flack for, like, it's pretty much an isolation-heavy mismatch attacking offense where there's not much ingenuity to it. Um, How much is that, you know, on Mike? Is that on Russ? Like, is that on Harden just wanting to continue to do his isolations? Like, how much do you think, like, that kind of contribute to him not being – able to be as effective off the ball, or is that just who Russ is, I guess, in, in that?
1: It's a mix. I mean, Harden and Tony definitely wanted to play that way, so, okay. you know, and Russ was coming into that scenario, so I don't know what those conversations were like, but just logically, you have to think that Russ had to fit himself into that, mm-hmm. um, but again, to be fair, they traded Capella to clear that space for him, because that, it really wasn't working. Now, you saw in the, in the in the bubble, right? They would double harden. The Lakers would double harden and they yeah. force Russ to do something. And that is that's how you beat Houston. That's how they beat Houston that year. The difference this time is that you can maybe double LeBron. He gives it up to Russ. Russ takes the offense five on four, um, or four on three, I mean. And then he's got Anthony Davis to flip it up to over the top. So that is the difference. Um Houston did not have that. Houston had Russ going four on three, and they were like, Russ, finish over Anthony Davis or kick it out for three. And so I think ultimately there are enough weapons and tools that this will work. And I think that the one guy that can maybe not make him change, but rein him in or get the best, absolute best out of him is LeBron James. Um, I just think like that's the one guy that can definitely do that. Mm -hmm. But LeBron's not going to be moving off the ball. So that's what I'm interested to see right <clears throat> in those moments where defenses are collapsing and you got to whip it to Russ and he's like you know one-on-one iso mode what does the rest of the team do I feel like Anthony Davis is the release valve over the top and then you got a bunch of catch and shooters um, Ariza Ellington I forget all the names that mm-hmm. that the Lakers signed Mark, yeah but um so it, that's kind of the the dynamic like what is what is that going to play out like um I also think that you know, like I said, he will, I think he will move off the ball if if it's there, but it's just about creating that space. Like you're now forced to create that space for him. And I'm just yeah. curious to see like, how, how is that going to play out? Um, Cause like, if he's standing in a corner, it's just, it's just so much easier to defend, you know, you just know as a yeah. defense, like, okay, we'll live with, with Russ shooting the three. And if he crashes, like you can, I mean, there's only so many times he can crash the corner for the alley-oop to do in a 48 minute game, right? Like but I think you're right. I think he will have the ball the most after LeBron, just by virtue of being the creator. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think I think it's <laughs> going to be interesting. Um, we'll see. There was something yeah. I'm trying to remember, but I'll let you speak as I try to remember that <laughs> point.
0: So the Lakers last year, so what happened a lot was like their offense, because people... Always beg for like a LeBron AD pick and roll, right? They're like, whenever we're, whenever we're down like five or six, you know, Laker fans like, just run the LeBron AD pick and roll, you know. And but like with that, just looking at it from basketball sense, like teams switch it, right? Because like you know who you have guarding AD, you're probably gonna want okay with guarding LeBron, so they just switch that pick and roll. I'm hoping that, and then our offense just turned to, okay, what's the mismatch? Very Houston-esque, except, except for in the post, right? AD and LeBron are going to be hitting you from step-back threes or stuff like that. But, you know, they'll attack you in the post. So, like, we'll just get a switch, throw it into AD. And, again, AD's okay as a post player, but his points per possessions are pretty low in that in that sense. He's not a guy that, you know, wants to just go down and t- take jump hooks and stuff like that. So that's where the offense kind of melded to, and you, you see how ugly sometimes it looked. I'm interested to see if Russ can open up AD's kind of ball screen game. You know, I, I know in Houston you traded your center and all that stuff, but um, I'm, I'm really interested because in Oklahoma City he was a ball screen guy. He was a guy that run a lot of actions with with uh, Stephen Adams and stuff well, like that. Well, I think
1: that, that um, Stephen right. Adams had better hands than Capella in traffic, and I'm, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure the AD also does. So I, I see your point there. I mean, I think that it sh- logically it should make sense, right? Russ should be able to run a, a screen and roll with AD and get something yeah um so I, I mean i think that'll definitely work it's just you'll see and you'll the only way to to learn or to figure it out is once <laughs> it happens right like oh yeah it all it all in your head you're like yeah, yeah yeah for sure but then once he starts bricking you just start seeing like oh damn you know and yeah, the other for sure. about, about russ this is what i was gonna say um he is how old is he 32 i think 32 he's 30. yeah when does he turn 33 he turns 33 in, oh, October 29th. So he'll be 33 oh. this
0: season. Oh, yeah. So it's a 33-year-old season. <laughs> yeah.
1: Man. Okay. So he'll be 33 this season. Now, he was hurt in the bubble. He had like okay. a quad strain or whatever. I guess he was healthy this year, so maybe it's a moot point. But if he gets hurt, his game is so exclusively reliant on his burst that he becomes a negative by far, whereas mm-hmm. – LeBron can roll his ankle, come back. AD can roll his ankle, be effective. Harden can pull his hamstring and still, you know, take Milwaukee to game 7. <clears throat> when Russ gets hurt, he loses that explosion. And but he but he doesn't have the game to compensate for the injury, so he keeps playing his game. It's just not the same. And that's yeah. one thing to look out for if he gets nicked up at all. Like you're going to get a much a much lesser version of of Russell Westbrook. And I think also what we haven't talked about at all, and we tend to do this on NBA Twitter, we love offense.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about this next, actually. Defense, yeah. Yeah. So,
1: and this is the thing with with Russell Westbrook, man. It's always, you got to talk yourself into it, you know. Well, he's got the tools, you know. Well, if he just
0: focuses. Well, he's a a superstar, right? Like, in, in every sense of, like. What comes with that? Like, he's a superstar. Maybe the production isn't it. But Russell Westbrook, whatever you want to say about him, he's a star. So it's easy to talk yourself into everything, you know. So it is. You're right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no,
1: you're good. You're good. I mean, and that's what we like. It's just a natural progression. It's just funny for me because when the the Russ rumors started, I was watching you and Jason Timph and Jason Maples and like y'all were, I saw how y'all were reasoning your way through it, you know, and at first it's, oh God, no, 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 no. Stay away. Everybody healed. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, well, you know, if X, Y, Z, then, okay, this could be all, you know, it's just funny to watch because that's the truth. And that, and that's kind of the underlying theme with Russell Westbrook is it could work. Some things are going to have to fall in place, but it could work. Now, defensively, he is just not a good team defender. Um, okay. His game is really, now, again, this all comes with the caveat of if anyone can change him and, and tweak his weaknesses, it is LeBron James. So, and maybe Frank Vogel, resonates with him in a way that you know Mike D'Antoni didn't I don't know but he he's just so fixated on his game he's a very me 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 kind of guy not in a not in a selfish way but that's just how he's wired you know it's yeah. you we're on offense
0: okay give me the rock it's became you know, an MVP that way right became an MVP doing that became so. an MVP
1: doing that so how do you change that like if you were to explain to him hey man you need to change he'd be like hey man what the fuck are you talking about like go look at my career Okay, thanks. And he's right. So it just is. It just is what it is. But you saw. You mentioned Rubio in against the playoffs in OKC, right? You remember yeah. that? You remember how
0: <clears throat>
1: he got so fixated on like his one on one with Rubio that oh, he was yeah. blowing it for the team, right? Kind of same thing. He's not intentionally blowing it. He's just aloof. He ball watches. He instead of you know noticing like, oh hey, here's the pick. We need to make the switch. Let me communicate that to my teammate. Let me hedge real quick, cover your back and then help back over to my guy. He's more so like, oh, I think he's about to drive. Let me get this weak side block, you know, or, oh, let me, let me jump the lane and try to steal this pass. Like he wants the big play. He wants the home run play. Um, And that translates to defense as well. Like he wants the home run play. Um, He'll lose his guy off the ball. Sometimes he might just kind of be aloof and drift over watching the play on the strong side and leave his, his shooter open in the corner on the weak side. Like those things, those types of things just happen. I do think that LA should be good enough defensively to shore up his deficiencies, but he, he's got the type of tendencies that can break down a team scheme, right? Like everyone's doing the right thing. And all of a sudden he's just ball watching, waiting to like jump the passing lane, forgets about his guy, leaves him open, you know, those types of things.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. The Lakers, they ran a very much, they had like a bunch of ball hawk defenders, right? They had a bunch of like really high level point of attack guards um, who pick up full court, you know, and I don't expect Russell Westbrook to be picking up full court. I mean, that's just, he's Russell Westbrook. Like he's not going to be doing that. Uh, but like, I think I want him on like a matchup where he has to, he has to know that this guy can burn me, you know, like I want him on that. I don't want him on like an off ball catch-and-shoot shooter chasing around screens. Like, I just don't want him on those kind of players because um, I've seen he loses guys off ball. Um, he likes to attack the glass, right? So he's very much, I think, looking for rebounds. Um, not in a bad way. Like, when he gets the board, he's off and running. So um, I think he goes for board. I think he goes for offensive rebounds a lot, too. Um, that, that should help. But, yeah, on, on the defensive end, like, I think he goes for rebounds a lot, trying to push the pace and can lose his guy, can go off shooter. So I like him point of the attack I'm interested to see what the Lakers do if they keep in drop covers this year. Um, I don't think he's played with a big like AD behind him. So I- I'm interested to see how, how they kind of scheme that out. But interestingly, the Lakers are going through an identity shift. You know what I mean? All these, their guards before were these like really like aggressive guards and Russell Westbrook's aggressive in terms of like, he goes for steals a lot. I look, li- I see like he gambles a lot. I think Um trying to play those passing lanes. So again, like I- 13 years in, I don't think you're going to change a guy's spots you might, you know, change a little bit here and there. But I think marginal fixes have huge, you know, implications for a championship-level team. Like, you win titles on the margin sometimes, and I think Westbrook can change a little bit. That, that can help. But um, I think expecting it to would be kind of false. You're getting Russell Westbrook for who Russell Westbrook is, which is a crazy player in transition, a crazy fire motor dude, and there's negatives to it. Um, and I think you've kind of brought those up. So I guess, like, pulling it, like, full circle here, like – you see real quick, it kind of, real quick, yeah, can yeah. I comment on what you oh, said? Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh go
1: ahead. So you you brought up a really good point. First of all, championships are won at the margins. Yes. Um, obviously, you need top-heavy talent. That's why the teams with top-heavy talent make it to the finals, and then whoever wins at the margins wins generally. Yeah. Um, he is focused on rebounding, which can be a positive, but that's kind of another theme with him. He's focused on the basketball, right? Both on offense yeah. and both on defense. So even good on point. defense. When he's ball watching, it's because he's focused on the basketball. And so that's Ooh. kind of the trap he, he falls into is like, oh, shots going up. Let me like walk over, get ready for the rebound, forget to box out. Or, oh, someone's isoing in the corner. Let me watch the ball, watch the ball. Oh, shit, forgot my guy, you know? So that's the thing. His, his You said he's aggressive. He is aggressive. At Him as a point of attack defender, he's, he's all right. He's oh. intense. And he's okay. like quick and jacked, you know? But the thing with quick guys is quick guys get juked. Um, yeah. Cause you're on, you know, you're on your heels on defense. It's just hard one
0: move and you're done. Yeah. One
1: move. Yeah. And so he's kind of the same way, like on paper again, like if you were to use him on two K and use his athletic <laughs> attributes, like you could lock somebody down, Yeah. Um, but it just generally doesn't translate that way. So I just wanted to, to kind of comment on those things. Um, and, and I think your approach is right. You, you're not, maybe he can make some marginal tweaks. I think that's realistic. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't view him as, Oh, if we can just make him change X, Y, Z, yeah, I think the appropriate way to view him is okay given his weaknesses if the rest of the team is able to shore up those weaknesses enough while extracting the positives that we can count on him bringing to the table then what is the result we get and i think exactly. that's the way to view him but what were you going to say about bringing it full circle
0: yeah because i i was gonna say like so lebron and ad is probably the biggest like um how do you say like gap right it's, it's kind of like they can fill in a lot of things like You look at the Lakers, look, I love the Lakers team that won the title. I love the team last year as well. But you look at that roster, like up and down, like it's not like it's loaded with a crazy amount of talent, right? like KCP, uh, Caruso, Kyle Cusman. they're really good players. Like, I, I love them, but, but like, LeBron and AD do paper over a lot of weaknesses, and I'm thinking, like, I'm already expecting Russ to have five for 25 games. Like, I'm going into it knowing that. Like, I think it's foolish to think, like, he's going to come here and just be this efficiency god. It's it's not going to happen. He's going to have games like that. You know, they're, they're going to be ugly games. Um, I don't compare him to, like, Andre Drummond, but, like, when Russ has a bad game, you know it, right? It's loud. It's, like – he doesn't quietly go into the night, you know, ask Caruso. I could be like, Oh, ask Caruso shot two for 10 tonight. I didn't even realize, like, I didn't even know. No, Russ, I'm going to know. He's going to be loud. He's going to be screaming. So, uh, I just think, like, can LeBron and AD kind of paper over when those bad games happen, like, if those two are having good games, you can kind of fill the margin there, and that's where I'm really fascinated to him, like, bringing it kind of full circle here. He's now on a championship, championship contender team. I think that Houston team was as well. This is going to be his biggest buy-in, I guess, like, so how do you see it? Like, do you see it working out? Do you see their, like, clunks in the beginning, like, how do you think that fit? I guess, works um, in the as the season goes here? Like, do you, do you think it's a pretty clean kind of early fit or are there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to have to kind of work through, I guess, just bringing it full circle, offense, defense, everything?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, how do I see it working? Like I said, I think the Lakers will make the finals, if not win at all. That, that's, mm-hmm. I believe that because I believe LeBron James is that good. And to answer your question, I think, or to answer your philosophical question, I think <laughs> that they will they'll fill up the weaknesses well enough because I, I believe LeBron and AD are that good. I'll push back on last year's Lakers roster not being that good. We're not having this conversation. And you're not having the Russell Westbrook conversation if AD doesn't get hurt because the Lakers probably That's go to fair. the finals. Yeah. You know, they probably go to the finals. They probably win it all. Um, <clears throat> his buy-in, I think it'll I think there are gonna be really high highs, right? I think there's gonna be like electric fast break dunks between yeah. him and LeBron. I think there's gonna be some electric like LeBron darting from the corner, finishing a, a a Russ lob and just like times where, you know, we look at this and say, no, one's going to stop these guys. And then I think there will be low lows. Um, you know, Russ shooting seven of 23 for 16 points. I don't know. Right. Um, five turnovers also, by the way, we didn't really talk about this factor in his turnovers. Cause I think he's now yeah. going to be the, the highest turnover guy on your roster. And some of those yeah. turnovers, Sometimes he'll like literally dribble it off his foot out of bounds. Sometimes he's just not looking and he'll pass it to a guy that he thought was in the corner that wasn't turnovers like that, that kind of just make you like stop and think like, God damn, dude, what are you doing? So I think it'll, I think it'll take a second to fit. Like I said, there'll be high highs. There's going to be some of those games early on, depending on who's on their schedule and who's playing in those games where they just run fools out the gym, you know? And like LeBron is spry and ready to start the season. And they're just dunking and dunking and 80 swatting and Russ is yelling and pounding his (laughs) chest. And it's like, Oh my God, these guys can't be stopped. And then, like I said, there's going to be those nights where you can see the shooting is a problem. The lack of shooting. Um, There's going to be nights where maybe they are still struggling to figure out who's getting the ball in crunch time and who's doing what with it. I think we'll figure out how willing is Russ going to be to move off the ball. He was pretty yeah. notorious for not moving off the ball in Oklahoma city. He didn't move much off the ball in Houston until they figured out. All right. When, when Harden gets trapped at half court, Russ, you get the keys or they made this adjustment. And like, I think it was like game four when the se- the series was basically over, but they started having Russ cut, um, early and it works, you know, so it just depends on how they implement him. But I think it'll be clunky with some extremely high highs and some low lows and then, but I think they're just going to win, so I don't think it'll matter too much. I think they're just going to – there's just no one in the West that I think talent-wise can stack with them.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess you kind of brought up your favorite to win the title this year. Um, I guess the I guess Lakers-Nets would be my kind of pick there. It's kind of an interesting kind of clash of styles, right? I, I wanted to ask you about this as a, as a hoops guy because I think it's interesting. The Nets are kind of built on this like skill, you know, this like smooth jump shooting skill kind of team. And the Lakers are like, we're just going to pound you at the rim. Um, We're going to put in uh, Dwight, Anthony Davis, try to just beat you up at the rim. Just a just a cool kind of clash of styles. And that'd be nice if the NBA can kind of do that. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment um, for Russ coming here. I honestly thought Dennis Schroeder like had a good year last year. It's kind of crazy what happened to him, but like that's kind of the the good and bad of playing the for the Lakers. I guess you kind of if if you do do bad, you can have a really really struggling career. How,
1: how do you feel about how he fit? Because Russ isn't he's not Dennis yeah. Schroeder. It would be disrespectful no. to call him Dennis Schroeder, but he is like a quick twitch. Give me the ball. Dennis Schroeder can shoot a lot better than Russ. Believe that or not?
0: Um, uh, I mean. Three- it, in theory, yeah, I mean, Schroeder still shot, I think, like thirty percent from three. Um, and it was even the worst in the play. The thing about Schroeder, though, which I think really turned the Lakers off on him, is he looked scared in the playoffs. Like he looked legitimately feared to shoot. Um, and and he started shooting when we were started when we were down twenty, but like and people forget this. He had a good game two and game three. Like he really did. He had like 20 points or something and we don't win those games without him. But just when 80 went out, he, he really got scared to shoot. And it's sad because he had a good year to me, good defensive year. I thought he was a good defensive player. Um, When they offered him four years, 80, like I thought that was a good deal. Like that I was hoping he took it. He didn't. And, That was probably bad on him not to take it uh, because of what he ended up with. But, like, I (laughs) I thought he had a good year. And it's crazy to see, like, even Laker fans kicking him out the door. I just thought, like, he had a better year. He got COVID twice. Um, which again is, is, uh, it's not a great thing on his resume, but like, yeah, he got COVID twice and uh, he really struggled with that at the end of the year or not. I don't, I don't know if he got COVID, I guess he was in COVID protocols twice um, and he was out for like two weeks. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it sucks, man. Cause like he had a really bad playoffs and that's sometimes what happens. The Lakers moved on. It was pretty clear. And then the whole league kind of uh, moved on without him, but like. he shot I, I 33.5% I from three, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, it felt lower. I think in the playoffs it might have been a lot lower. I'm guessing. Um, I know he missed a ton in the playoffs. Uh, but I guess it just didn't. He also has a really slow release. Like when you watch him game to game, his release is really slow. And he's a small point guard. He doesn't get separation as you think you should. As that kind of quick twitch, twi- quick twitch guard. And with AD, you want a guard that can kind of shoot off the dribble. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And uh, Schroeder really doesn't have the mid-range game as he should um he comes off his release is really slow so teams can kind of chase him over the top and kind of uh you know make him make him scared to kind of shoot that little jumper there and uh him and ad didn't really have much of a connection i I think i saw a stat he had one lob to ad the whole year um again that's a lot of that's also on ad who came in out of shape which he's that's from his own words um and ad was never himself so i I hope we get an ad year this year but uh but yeah he shot 31
1: percent from three in the playoffs by the way
0: okay yeah, 31%, that's I guess that's better than what rest, but again, teams don't guard Dennis Schroeder either though, you know, from from 3. Like it, even his percentages, I kind of look at that and think like they're not going to guard him. So it it's it's fascinating to see what happened. But like I Definitely keep an eye though. I I really
1: think Westbrook's going to start getting some love from the refs more so okay. than he, more so than he used to because there were a lot of times in Houston where his poor field goal percentage would be, ref- would not be reflective of his game. Cause he was getting hammered at, at the rack Okay, and he'd get like three or four missed attempts. Cause he was just getting hammered with no call. Some of that's his fault um, for not like for basically embracing the contact and not realizing like, Hey, you're not getting the call or, <laughs> or for just hoping for the call and like, you know, feeling the contact and like going like, ah, Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> going like, ah, you know, instead of like trying to finish through. So not entirely not his fault, but I do think that was one thing. I remember watching him where I was thinking, how does this guy not get to the line more? Because he's definitely like bullying at the rim. It, yeah. it will be a clash of styles with the Nets. Um, I think the difference is that Anthony Davis and LeBron are very efficient with how they attack the rim. Yeah. It may or may not be, depending on what version you get. But again, I just think you have so much. I mean, AD and LeBron, dude, like who's messing with that? I, I've been saying this, and some people have been telling me I'm crazy, but I don't think the West is good this year. It's very middling. Like, we'll find out if Phoenix was for real, if that run was for real. Um, and even beyond whether or not the run was for real, we'll find out if they have enough to, to run it back the way that they want to. Denver, you know, if Jamal Murray comes back and he's fully healthy, okay, Denver, will get we'll, we'll be legit. But if he doesn't, I, I still think they're missing a piece to mess with the Lakers for sure. Um, who else? Utah, fraudulent until further notice. <laughs> they lost to the Clippers. They lost to they got they got bounced by Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann after having like a 25, 26 point lead. You know? I was
0: at that game, man. I was at that game six. Oh man, really? watching watching Utah like you know melt live was just the most <laughs> just fascinating to watch. Watch them pick on Rudy Gobert every single time it was just a fascinating like switch of like what matters in the regular season, you know, and what doesn't watching Reggie Jackson say, no, no, no. I got, I got Rudy Gobert on me, you know, like go stand out. Like what an insane kind of concept to think of a guy that just won, you know, defensive player. The Even year more insane that
1: good people still after that game are like, no, he's the one of the greatest <laughs> defensive players ever. To, it's like, yeah, maybe by the metrics, homie, but Reggie Jackson, like what are we talking about here? Like, let's stop I making just, it compl- bro-
0: Terrence Mann, like Terrence Mann was like, hey, li- leave it alone. I got Rudy Gobert on me. So, it's, you know, it's, like it's fascinating. how
1: disrespectful is that? It's insane. It's just like, <laughs> let's stop making this complicated. Let's just watch the game and kind of take take the easy surface level stuff away. Like, yeah, you can play that man off the court easy. So Utah's fraudulent. fraudulent. Uh, Portland, you know, oh, not man. a contender in my opinion. Uh, Dallas, maybe Luka will will them to something, but I don't think they made any improvements, any material improvements, you know, who else golden state, maybe clay comes back and he's legit. And maybe Kaminga, you know, pops off and Otto Porter jr. Is the perfect role player and all this stuff. Are they like a championship contender with the Lakers and the nets? No, not to me. Um, Yeah, maybe, but I mean, I think they will be good, but not like that level. So what, like, what are we left with after that Memphis? Uh, Yeah. Clippers without Kawhi. Yeah. Clippers without Kawhi, you know, like, Paul George put the team on his back. Reggie Jackson was amazing. They did what they did, but over the course of 82 games in a regular season without Kawhi, it's going to look a lot different, in my opinion. Um, Pelicans, eh, you know, maybe they'll improve and like make the playoffs, but they're not, a, definitely not a championship contender. So by virtue of that alone, irregardless, or sorry, regardless of how R- Russell Westbrook fits, LA's the favorite straight away. Everything else is gravy at that point. If Westbrook gives you what you want him to give you, it's gravy. If he takes away in the ways that we have discussed here, even if if he's a net negative, I still think LA is too good. So that's the way to just look at it. You're just too damn good. Um, If Westbrook pops off, then you will be unstoppable. I think.
0: For sure. And I guess the thing I want to kind of close with going on an hour here, but like uh, we've talked about this um, off the pod and all that. Chris Paul, Chris Paul, you know, the, the Rockets got kind of shame for, like, you know, or people were saying Chris Paul wasn't worth the extension or whatever. Like, was it interesting to you watching? Because I thought they were going to win. They went up 2-0. Chris Paul looked like he was in control. Devin Booker looked like he was in kind of, you know, he was in a groove. They lost. But, like, what was it like watching Chris Paul, you know, like a year after you trade him, I guess? Like, what was – what or two years. Sorry, he played in Oklahoma City one year. What do you think of, like, watching Chris Paul doing what he does?
1: uh, bittersweet, painful, you know, like, damn, <laughs> for me, it was vindicating. Cause I, sure. I, hated, I hated trading him. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, it was just kind of like, <clears throat> it was just kind of like, man, that might go down as one of the worst trades of all time. Now Phoenix lost. I was rooting for Phoenix to win Phoenix lost and the Rockets got Jalen green. So like we, we quickly forget. And so the story will yeah. be written a little bit differently, but yeah, man. I mean, I remember I was studying for the bar. I was chilling, taking a break. I got the Woj notification on my phone <laughs> that the Rockets traded for Russ. And I was like, oh my God, what? And then I got the notification that they included first round picks and pick swaps. And I was just like, oh, we really traded the franchise away, hoping that this works, you know? And and it didn't. Um, so, But I was happy for Chris Paul because he gets a lot of disrespect. And yeah. I, th- I think that... He's obviously one of the greatest point guards of all time. And to do what he did with Phoenix is pretty incredible, you know? And like people love to hate on him. Before the series, I thought Milwaukee definitely was going to take it. When Phoenix went up 2 0, I I was still saying Milwaukee had some fight left in him, but I thought Phoenix would eventually win. But I think it became apparent once Giannis turned it on, they just didn't have an answer for Giannis Um, because Milwaukee was so much more talented. Like that's what it is at the end of the day, man. Top end talent, you know? For sure. You had Book. CP and and Aiden on one end, book, top end talent, Aiden, kind of like a middle level talent, Um, CP, top end talent, but 36. So negates it. And then you had Giannis in his prime, Middleton in his prime and Drew Holiday, even, even with Drew Holiday going like four of 21 or whatever, you still had his defense and his ability to at least create. So they were just two top end talented, but, but yeah, man, I see Lakers Twitter always talking about CP three. If Lakers had gotten CP three instead of Russ, no one is stopping the Lakers, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: but Yeah, I just want to let you get that off because I'm also a big CP3 guy. Like, I'm a big fan. Um, I remember I went to my first ever NBA game was going to see Chris Paul. Um, he played the Lakers. And it was my first ever game. Chris Paul dropped like 35 and 10. David West, you remember David West was on those Falcons team? Yeah, he catch had- Tyson Chandler. David West had forty five that night, and uh, oh and they God. beat us, and they beat us in Staples. Yeah, it was it was so. But watching him just live, bro, he's uh, even back in oh, I think this was oh nine. Just his control, you know, what I mean, like knows where everyone's on the floor. He's like lobbing you, Tyson Chandler. Like it was, it was cool. So like, it's cool to see him. Um, I hope he gets the credit he deserves. People are saying he choked. Like Phoenix had no business being in this finals. You know, like they had no business. Aiden is in his third year. Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. Those dudes are super young. Like It's it's weird to watch him choke. But um yeah, it, it's cool to get him. Hopefully, he gets some credit. He got re-signed to a hell of a number. Was not expecting that three years, 120. He I got the
1: contract that people thought the Rockets gave him. Okay. Like, yeah. Cause, I mean, basically meaning that people thought by the time he was 36, that contract was going to be awful. Turned mm-hmm. out by the time he was 36, he took a team to the finals. Now, by the time he's 40, that contract is going to be terrible unless he defies all the odds. But I can't imagine he'll be 40 and doing anything other than putting up like 13 and eight or something, 12 and seven or something, you know? So yeah, he'll be getting a bag, but it was nice to see him kind of prove his haters wrong. Um, <laughs> Cause dude, I saw it firsthand, man. I saw what he did to that Rockets team. Him and Harden were unstoppable together, you know? So he's like my height like he's barely <laughs> taller than me and just, just to think that he does that among giants in the nba is ridiculous
0: yeah yeah for sure i thought that series changed but like Giannis switched on to him right and like it was that's pretty much switched the series to me Giannis switching to him and devin booker kind of really shut their water off but yeah it's cool to see him um kind of get going uh, but yeah roosh we're going like an hour here I'll, I'll kind of close it out i appreciate you coming on man uh we gotta have you on again uh with jason we'll, we'll have uh we'll have you on let me know um, man I'll talk like more the time. Yeah, I wanted to get into kind of Rockets team building or just team building in general. And we have a long summer here, so um, the NBA doesn't come back for a while, so I'll definitely have you on. Uh, Roosh, where can can the people find you, man?
1: Yeah, man. Um, And hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk basketball with some Lakers homies. Um, You can find me on Twitter, R-O-O-S-H Williams, Roosh Williams, and um, The Noble and Roosh Show. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. hosted by Ball is Life. We have a ton of guests on. We just had Onyeka uh, Okongwan from the Atlanta Hawks, ton of NBA guests and journalists. So check it
0: out. Yeah, man. Go, uh, go follow Roosh, uh, go listen to, uh, the podcast. Um, does great work. Um, not just with Houston Rockets, just NBA analysis in general, um, just puts out videos as well. So yeah, go give him a follow. I appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Appreciate it.